Hello and welcome into Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and over the course of this week's show, we have labeled it The D Show, in terms of we will be talking about defense. We'll be talking about catches and throws and snags and diving plays and just the electricity that comes from a proper web gem, a diamond gem, as we go around from Dante DeCaria and Single A Lansing, and all the way up the ladder, Jim Taraboki and A Advanced Dunedin. Double A New Hampshire, Tyler Zickel stops by, and Triple A Buffalo, Pat Malacaro told me that he might be busy, but he's also sent in a link to an interview, a conversation that he had with Anthony Alford. We'll check in with Anthony a little bit later on. We begin this week's show talking about the Lansing Lugnuts, and the Lugnuts have had some dramatic finishes recently. The winning streak has reached nine, thanks to players like this. The ball two pitch. He lifts it in the air, deep right field. Zahelia goes back at the wall. You can kiss it goodbye. We are tied three to three in the bottom of the eighth inning. Kevin Smith goes oppo. There is your reigning Midwest League Player of the Week taking the round trip tour. Smith already today has picked up his Midwest League leading 32nd run batted in. That potential RBI number 33 waiting at second. Orweiler's pitch. A swing and a ground ball up the middle over second base. Base hit to center. Young's on his way in. Fairchild's throw late. Kevin Smith wins it. Young scores. It's another walk-off win against Dayton. Lansing four, Dayton three. Chavez, Young, Kevin Smith, and the whole team celebrating out towards shortstop. Well, the Lansing Lugnuts have won nine consecutive games, and let me bring on Dante DeCaria to talk about the Jays' single-A affiliate. Dante, let's begin with Kevin Smith, and we're going to talk about his defense in a second. What about Kevin Smith's offense? Well, Jesse, I'm very happy to be on the show today, but first things first, before Kevin Smith, Cesar Martin managing in his 700 game tonight, and I spoke to him about uh, Kevin Smith earlier today, and he just said that he is looking like a completely different player from what he was at the start of the season. And the one thing with Kevin Smith is that he hunts fastball. He doesn't look for breaking ball. He hunts fastball, and that's what Cesar Martin told me. And another thing that he mentioned is the fact that um, he, he doesn't wait, you know, he doesn't waste time early in the count, especially with runners in scoring position. If you look at his average over 400 with runners in scoring position this season, um, Cesar told me that, when he gets that fastball early in the count, he's going to swing. And if he chops out or if he grounds out or if he flies out, so be it. But he's going to look for that fastball early in the count. And I think that's what's been the key for Kevin Smith lately. He's got a good stance at the plate. He's locked. He's loaded. He's just ready to, uh, ready to let it rip. And he's done a good job this year, both defensively and offensively. There's a question sent in via Bluebird Banter, Kate Stanwick posting, Kevin Smith has been impressing with his hitting, but how has he been this year defensively? And that brings us into this week's theme. Dante, how has Kevin Smith been on D? Well, we saw three major league, I mean big league defensive plays up the middle. There was one where it kicked off the glove of Godinho, and Kevin Smith picked it up with one hand in shallow short and just fired it, a bullet, a cannon all the way to first base. It was just a beautiful play. And then there was another one 
all the way up the middle, Kevin Smith dove, got up on one knee, and just fired another bullet to first base. Just unbelievable defense. He is one of the top defenders in the organization. And, Jesse, both you and I, we were sitting on the bus. I believe it was in Fort Wayne on, the, on, on our way to the ballpark. We picked up um, the Baseball America prospect handbook. And in the Blue Jays section on the handbook, it said Kevin Smith is the top defensive shortstop in the organization. And we turned to ourselves and said, hmm, I don't know about that. We know why, and we know why they wrote that, because he is one of the top defenders in the organization. They got themselves a five-tool player here. Let's talk more defense. Who is the strongest throwing arm on this Lugnuts team? Jesse, after last night, I th- it's Kevin Smith, to be honest. I mean, from the outfield, obviously, Chavez Young, we've seen some good throws from him. But, um, you know, coming into this game or, or coming into last night's game, I would always think Chavez Young or Kevin Vicuña. But now, after yesterday's bullet, it's Kevin Smith because it is so hard to be down on one knee and, and unleash that kind of a cannon. And even the one where it kicked off Godinho's glove, he just, like, fired a bullet. It took, like, half a second to get to first base from short. This is Dante DeCaria talking single-A Lansing Lugnuts. He joins me on the airwaves, Lansing Lugnuts Baseball, at Lansing Lugnuts. And you can find him on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante. Dante, beyond Kevin Smith, who else has stood out to you this year for the Lugnuts when it comes to defense? When it comes to defense, I've actually been uh, pretty happy with uh, Brock Lundquist's play. We've seen a lot of really good defensive plays diving down the lines um, in the infield. And maybe, or pardon me, in the outfield, but maybe in the infield, uh, Ryan Note has done a, a pretty good job at first base, although you told me that he actually prefers to play uh, the outfield a little bit more. I haven't been that impressed with Kevin Vicuña's play defensively, more impressed with Kevin Smith's play defensively, but I think Brock Lundquist um, and, and then Chavez Young are the two guys that I like the most. All right, so talking about the Lugnuts defensively, talking about the Lugnuts as a whole, nine wins in a row. What can you chalk it up to? I mean, I don't know how to pinpoint it, but the first thing I'm going to say is the fact that um, they're drawing at bats and they're swinging early in the count when they get a fastball, which is key. And when runners get on base, they're cashing them in. You look at last night, they only stranded, I believe, six runners on base, which is a pretty good statistic. Earlier in the season, when you look at, you know, left on base number at the end of a ball game, it was 10, 11, 12, 9. You know, I think if you keep it under eight or seven, um, you're doing a pretty good job. And that's one of the keys, but also, um, when I talked to Cesar Martin, the Lansing Lugnuts manager, I asked him, what's the key? And he said, you know, when the pitching does good, you know, the hitting uh, maybe doesn't, you know, drive in as many runs. But when the, when the pitching isn't that good, the hitting decides to drive in 10 or 12 runs. So I think it's just, you know, guys picking up each other. And it's, it's kind of cool to see this team win so many games because so many guys have been put on the, on the injury reserve list because this team is banged up right now. And the Lugnuts... Uh, placing player after player on the DL right now. Ten players on the disabled list. Andre Sotillo's return to the team. He replaces Javier Hernandez. You look amongst the pitchers, among the position players, and the outfield Brendan Polizzi just joined the team as Reggie Pruitt landed back on the DL. And that really is the one thing that you can say it's not all sunshine and roses. Aside from that, the Lugnuts at 27 and 13. There was a tweet that was sent out. That basically said, besides Tyler Zickel in New Hampshire, is there anybody having more fun watching baseball than us in the Lugnuts broadcast booth? I think this, yeah, this is super fun to watch this team play because they love each other, right? You walk in the clubhouse, everybody's having so much fun. Everybody is just having a good time. And I talked to Cesar Martin, the Lansing Lugnuts manager about that, and he says, 
when I come into the clubhouse, I got a smile on my face. When I come into work every day, it's just so much fun to work with these guys because everybody's trying to learn. Everybody's trying to get better. Everybody respects each other. Everybody wants to pick each other up. And I asked them, I said, it's kind of funny if Kevin Smith goes 0 for 3 or 0 for 4, you know, someone else behind him like a Brock Lundquist or a Christian Williams or, you know, someone like that just, you know, picks him up. And he said, that's just the way this team is. When someone's slacking, another guy picks them up. And that's just baseball. When you have a team that picks up each other just like that, it's, you know, you're going to win games, and I think that's what's key. It's just a lot of fun to watch this team play because they do everything right. They're pitching, they're hitting, you know, they're bunting, they're doing fundamental baseball, they're making great plays, they're walking things off. It's awesome. Dr. DeCaria, thank you very much for your time here this week on Around the Nest. Hey, Jesse, always nice to come with you on the, Around the Nest and uh, look forward to maybe seeing 10 consecutive wins tonight. That would be a joy. The Lansing Lugnuts home this weekend. They're home tonight. They're home Saturday. They're home Sunday, taking on the Bowling Green Hot Rods, the second-place team in the Midwest League Eastern Division, before they hit the road again next Monday. Speaking of guys who are having fun, let me bring in Tyler Zickel, and let's hear from New Hampshire, Harold Ramirez flashing the leather. 3-2 pitch, swinging a high fly, right field, a short porch out there. Ramirez at the wall, leaps up. Oh, man, he caught it. Harold Ramirez, where did that come from? He robbed at least extra bases up over the padding of the right field wall. Holy smokes, what a catch. Pat Mazika retired. Tyler Murray, speechless. <laughs> and with that in mind, let me bring on Tyler Zickel. Tyler, you were never speechless, right? More times than not, Jesse. You're absolutely right. I've always got some sort of white lie to share if I don't have anything true to come across. But, hey, I'll say this. I know I'm a high-energy guy, but how about Dante? Love Dante's energy, talking about the red-hot lug nuts. So up and down the system, a whole lot of fun. That's for darn sure. When Dante and I are not following along, along with what's going on with the Lugnuts, we're following along with what's going on with your New Hampshire Fisher Cats, which also appears to be just tremendous fun. How are you enjoying yourself this week? Well, Jesse, you just about said it best. Tremendous fun indeed, especially our final game in Hartford on Wednesday. Jordan Romano took a no-hitter through six, in fact, six hitless innings for the Pride of Markham, Ontario, Canada. He turned it over to the bullpen. Danny Young completed the seventh inning with no hits, got two outs in the eighth, and then unfortunately gave up a solo home run to end the shutout and the no-hitter. But that game in which the Fisher Cats won 7-1, to one, it was quite a treat to watch because – of course, we have a friendly rivalry with the Hartford Yard Goats. Our ownership groups are similar. It's all in the Art Solomon family. And so to be able to win three at Dunkin' Donuts Park, of course, which is a beautiful facility, but the Cats have really made it their home away from home this year. They're 7-0 and in downtown Hartford. And, of course, uh, I up in the standings on the Plymouth Rock Assurance Cup rivalry series, which is another nice plug that those guys get for free right here on Around the Nest, I just realized. <laughs> All right, let's talk about defense. Who stood out to you defensively for New Hampshire? I would say right off the bat, Andrew Giot is a guy in the outfield who doesn't get as much credit as he may, maybe deserves as a defender, specifically with his strong right arm. This is a guy five foot eight, less than 200 pounds, at least coming in, but I will say this. He arguably has the best arm on this team, infield or outfield, and certainly if everything is equal when you're talking about size and length and longevity, if you will, Andrew Giot certainly is at the top of the list in terms of strongest arms. He threw Tim Tebow out of second base last night, trying to go first to second on a ball off the wall. And he has a number of other assists on the base path this season. And 
talking about Harold Ramirez's play, you heard Tyler Murray call from last night in what was unfortunately the worst game of the season for the Cats. Giot pulled back a game-tying home run in Harrisburg on Mother's Day. That was game one of a doubleheader. He went back. He brought it back to save a 2-1 advantage, and the Cats put up four runs in the seventh to eventually win 6-1. to But Giot is at the top of the list, and a guy who might not get credit for both offense or defense, but specifically on defense, is Gunnar Height. He has been... Johnny do everything for the Fisher Cats. He's played all four infield positions as well as left field so far this season, and he's made a number of game-saving digs at first base. And we know Gunnar Height, traditionally a second baseman or third baseman, of course, he's slotted in at shortstop as well. But when he gets to call at first base, I feel very comfortable when the infielders are throwing wherever it might be that those balls end up. And so Gunnar and Giot, certainly two guys who wouldn't get much – press, if you will, when it comes to overall accolades, especially when you're on a roster with Vlad Bow and Cavan, but definitely Gunnar Height and Andrew Giot, two guys on defense, crucial to the success of the Cats so far. Speaking with Tyler Zickel here on Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Zickel. The AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats have become must-watch because of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., because of the unexpected power of Kevin Biggio, who continues to go yard. And there's Jordan Romano once again turning in another gem. Romano left the game still with that no-hitter in progress. Precautionary reasons. What is the latest on Jordan? So I haven't had a chance to talk to Jordan or our trainer, Drew McDonald, about the specifics of what brought Jordan out of the game in Hartford on Wednesday. That said, even on the bus, he was in good spirits. I've seen him around the clubhouse yesterday, and again, he was uh, as he normally is, which is always a smile on his face and a friendly hello, how you doing? We stopped for a brief conversation. So out of respect for what he's got going on, I didn't dig too much. I didn't try to pry, but everything is as scheduled. And from what I've been told, he's going to be making his next start on time. So no delay for Jordan to go out and search for his league best eighth win. And I'll tell you this, Jesse, no Fisher cat starting pitcher has ever started a season seven and zero until Jordan Romano in the 2018 campaign. This is a game changing 2018 season for the Fisher cats franchise. Clearly this is a 2018 season that you and everybody else up there is going to remember an awful long time. More than just a long time, Jesse, I'd say forever. Hyperbole aside, I've had multiple opportunities where I've been in the dugout with John Schneider, our manager, during whether it's batting practice or just just before batting practice or perhaps we're in the clubhouse. And more times than once, we have talked to each other about how really we have to sometimes just take it all in and realize that there really will likely never be a team like this, not just in the Blue Jays system, but anywhere where you have a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who moves the needle when he does anything let alone on the field, but also on Instagram when he's trolling all of Blue Jays' Twitter and all of the interwebs (laughs) thinking that he's going to get the call up. And then, of course, that would be great if you just had Vlad. But then you add in Bo Bichette, who never gets cheated at the plate and continues to be a solid shortstop all season long. And as you mentioned, Kevin Biggio, who is likely the early surprise of the spring and summer with his league-leading 12 home runs. This is a guy, looking at him, you'd say, yeah, he's a second baseman, but certainly not the league leader in dingers, yet Kevin Biggio seems to find ways to go deep just about every game. In fact, he's homered in three consecutive games twice this season, and that was part of a monster road trip where he batted 450. He had double-digit RBI and five home runs in seven games, and that's part of a greater picture of the Cats' offense that had 80 hits in a seven-game stretch on the road and outscored opponents 44-24. So I think the boys get a little bit of a pass for last night's 11-1 loss at the hands of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, where unfortunately they were no hit until the sixth inning. But that said, that's why we love this game. It's a new day today, and they're looking to take a doubleheader sweep here at Club Ned.
Yes, sir. The Fisher Cats home through the weekend. Enjoy. Go out. Go to nhfishercats.com and support the Jays AA affiliate. He's Tyler Zickel. Tyler, thank you very much for your time. Jesse, always a pleasure. We're going to have to get the other Tyler on the round the nest sometime soon. It's just been a lot of road games late, but Tyler Murray coming your way next week. Sounds beautiful. From Tyler Zickel, let's go down to A-Advance, Jim Tarabokia, the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays. Jim, could it get any better than calling a game with the Rocket when Casey's going yard? No, I just actually, though, Jesse, I want to comment on what Tyler just said about talking with Johnny, and this is why I consider Johnny um, Schneider such a friend of mine. Um, you know, and he said this to me last year, too, about in regards to Vladdy and, uh, and Bo and what that team was last year. Um, you know, he told me last year uh, in August uh, before a game against Tampa, actually, he said, just take a step back and realize what this year has been, and you're going to look back on it and really enjoy it. And I'm not surprised he said it to, to both, probably both Tylers up there in New Hampshire, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy for the Fisher Cats. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised that Johnny is, is talking like that because he's, you know, an excellent guy. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just awesome what's happening up there in, um, in New Hampshire. Um, so when Tyler mentioned that, I, I kind of uh, it brought me back to you know almost a year ago when John talked to me about that, and I'm sure he talked to Daniel about that as well. Anyway, to answer your question, yeah, it was cool. I mean, um, you know, I didn't expect um, Roger actually approached me about it, um, saying that uh, he he would like to you know uh, you know be in the booth if that's okay, and I said sure, come on, come on, you know, come into the booth, um, you know, whenever. Uh, so the next night we got him in the booth uh, in the fourth inning. We talked a lot about, you know, his son growing up and, um, you know, a couple of other things. And then all of a sudden his son comes up and hits his first homer of the year. And uh, we just slapped hands. And I really couldn't believe it. It was such a surreal moment. So um, that was probably, probably one of the coolest um, coolest experiences I've ever had uh, you know, in, in my career in general. Could you tell, did you have a feeling, hey, something's going to happen here? Uh, no, no, I didn't. You know, I, I was, um, I, I mean, I, I had Roger Clemens in the booth, right? I mean, uh, that's, uh, that alone right there is, is kind of surreal. So I didn't really expect it. I was, uh, to me, um, my, my mom, I didn't expect anything. I didn't go in preparing for the interview. My motto is always, I tell Dan this all the time here in Dunedin, you know, when he comes on, he says, what are we talking about? I say, I mean, we're just cracking on the mics and going, right? Um, I think there's only so much you can prepare for. Sometimes you just have to crack on the mics and perform. So uh, I was more um, focused on, on you know, talking to him about, about you know, very interesting topics, uh, not only as, as, a, as a former, uh, you know, baseball player and seven-time Cy Young Award winner, but I was interested in hearing um, about him as a parent and, and how he raised his three sons to be baseball players and what he took from his uh, experience as a major league baseball player and taught his kids about how to go about their business on a daily basis. So that was pretty much my, my main focus and everything else. I mean, I didn't get a feeling about it. I didn't prepare for it, but I thought it came out pretty well and uh, it all, it all kind of worked out in the end. Like I said, it's going to be a memory I'm going to you know, cherish for a pretty long time. Let's transition to something that Casey Clemens is becoming noted for. Let's talk defense. Who's impressed you defensively with Dunedin? Uh, defensively, good question, considering that we've got the uh, most amount of errors committed. Uh, you said defense, correct? I did say defense, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing, 
you know, defensively, I look at it, you know, there's a couple of attributes that guys have that really impress me. Riley Adams, you know, with his arm. Logan Warmoth with his arm and his and his, his hands. Josh Palacios with his speed. D.J. Davis um, with his ability to patrol center field and his, um, his wherewithal and instincts out there in center field. Uh, Nash Knight with his ability to move all over the place. So, you know, the negative is that we've committed too many errors and we've got the most in the league. The positive, though, is that, that can, those are physical errors. That can be cleaned out. It's going to happen. You hear that, right? Mental errors can't happen, um, which, which oftentimes don't happen here. Um, but uh, the physical errors, they're going to happen. But that's something that can be cleaned up, certainly, on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I think the guy, these guys have the tools to be, all be good defenders. It, I think it, part of it, too, is the fact that so many guys move around so often. They're not comfortable or completely comfortable in that one spot that sometimes those errors happen. But, you know, that's baseball. I think, again, like I said, I think there's some guys here that have a lot of tools um, defensively that really show. Specifically, who would you say has the strongest throwing arm that you've seen? Riley Adams right now. I would say he has the strongest. I'd say Logan's next uh, at short. Um, and then looking in the outfield, Edward Pinto uh, has a strong outfield arm. He can, I think, play right field. So, um, those are probably my, my top three. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them in any sort of uh, order. I don't want to do that because um, um, it, it's kind of tough to determine. But uh, I think those are the top three guys right now we have uh, in terms of the arm strength. In no particular order. No particular order, indeed. Uh, you are playing on the road. You're playing at Daytona all through this weekend. And then you come back home hosting the Florida Fire Frogs starting up next Monday. That is a seven-game homestand stretching through the 27th and the Lakeland Flying Tigers. You can find Jim Tarabokia on Twitter, at Jim Tara. Jim, any last thoughts before I say goodbye for another week? Uh, no, man, it's, uh, you know, we're going to try to get back in this thing here. Big, big weekend. Daytona's very good, very good ball club, and uh, they're in first place. And uh, I think, it, you know, this is really telling um, this weekend uh, as to where we are and where we need to get to because this team is in first place. Um, you know, we lost three or four to Tampa. We want to get back into this thing here and have a shot in the first half. Um, you know, it's not insurmountable. We're in fourth place, eight games out. But I think taking two of three this weekend from Daytona, um, is somewhat of a must if, if they're going to get back in this thing. And at the same time, too, um, it's a tough place to play. So we're going to have to really buckle down here and, uh, and get going and, and play some good baseball. Sounds good. Jim Tarabokia, the voice of the DJs, thank you very much for your time. All right, Jesse, talk to you next week, buddy. Have a good one. You, you too, sir. Well, this is Around the Nest. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and here we go. Jay talking around the Jays organization. Pat Malacaro and Buffalo have been busy. Their big announcement was they're becoming the Buffalo Wings, and maybe you noticed there was a bit of a change in the Around the Nest logo, especially posted via Bluebird Banter, our SB Nation partner. But while Pat Malacaro has been busy, had the chance to sit down with Anthony Alford for a pregame conversation that they're putting on the Buffalo Bison's airwaves slash Wings airwaves, and he also sent that interview over to me to share with you. How was the, this latest stay in, in Toronto after getting the call up and getting a handful of games under your belt? Um, it, it was good. Um, it's always good to get that experience and uh, be around the guys. and um, Just the, I mean, it was, it was fun, a lot of fun. Um, just go up there and just try to help the team win in whichever way I can. Another first for you, you know, you got your big league hit, first big league hit last season and your uh, first call up, first RBI this time around. So another milestone I guess you can check off. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. Hopefully there's many more to come. <laughs> definitely. Uh, you're in the lineup today for the Bisons in left field. We've seen you play center this season. Is there a spot in the outfield that you're most comfortable with or, or one that you really feel is uh, you can make your own? Um, center is more natural for me because that's what I played my whole life. Um, right? It's probably like second easiest. Well, I ain't going to say second easiest. None of them really easy, but um, I feel probably comfortable. Right field might be my second spot. Um, left field, I haven't had as many reps at left field, but um, it's getting there. Um, but I'm definitely way more comfortable playing center. What's the difference between playing center and a corner outfield position for folks that might not know some of the differences and the nuances that come with it? Um, well, obviously, in center, you got a lot of ground to cover. You have to take control. you got to be the quarterback out there. Um, and the biggest thing is angles. So, like, if you're playing left field and a lefty is hitting it and he hit a ball in left field, it's going to slice. Everything's moving towards the lines. But the more you get to center, the more of a true span the ball to have. And so you ain't really got to deal with those crazy spans in center field. But you do have a lot more ground to cover and you got to make sure that your, um, your left field and right field is in the right spot. You mentioned learning from the guys in the big leagues and your most recent call-up. Is there a guy that you maybe gravitate towards or guys that, that you sort of key in and see how they play the game? Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys, um, I see how um, look at Cologne defense, one of the best center fielders in the game. Um, um, I, I feel like a lot of the guys have something in some kind of aspect of the game that can offer me help and help me implement that into my game and help me get better. Um, Curtis, with his just, just his experience and knowledge of the game, you get to pick his brain and um, about certain situations, um, about um, things that's coming along in the game. Um, like um, like we were going to play a National League team before I got to sit down. He was just reminded, reminded me to be aware of the double switch that can happen at any time in the game. And um, Because pitchers are hitting, you might go in a pitch hit or a double switch at some point in the game. So... Um, just, I feel like every, a lot of them have something to offer me in some some way. I wanted to ask you about your your multi-sport uh, college career, being drafted by the Blue Jays in 2012, but also playing football uh, in the process. Is there anything you can take from your time playing football that helps you here on the baseball diamond? Um, pretty much just that, just that natural athleticism, and um, um, whether it's on defense or just been trying to be the, a competitor because. You go in the football locker room, it's totally different than the baseball locker room. Um, and football locker room is like I don't, I don't care how good you are. Like I'm about to, like I'm gonna get after you. So that, like that's that mindset in the football locker room, and and I just try to bring that onto the baseball field. So whoever's pitching, I don't care who it is, I'm just trying to be the best competitor that I can be and win every battle that I'm in. And I guess playing in front of 100,000 people in an SEC stadium uh, helps you get ready for the bright lights of either Yankee Stadium or Rogers Center or some of these places around the big leagues. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, when I went from college football to the minor leagues in baseball, it was like just the atmosphere was like a kind of like a downgrade. But I'm in the bigs. Obviously, everything's brighter. You play in the bigger stadiums, a lot more fans. So I feel like that didn't really affect me because of my background in football. What were those first couple of years like playing in the Gulf Coast League and still being a, a college football player and keeping yourself in shape so that you could go from baseball to football? Um, it was honestly it was tough, but just because you didn't have that um, no downtime. So when football was off, I was when fo- football was in the off season, I was playing baseball. When baseball was in the off season, I was playing football. So I, the toughest part was just never getting any downtime, um, having no off season. So that kind of takes a toll on your body, but. I, 
overall, I thought it was fun. It was a, a nice experience, but at some point, I had to choose one or the other. It was Anthony Alford joining Pat Malacaro pregame interview for the Buffalo Bison slash Wings that Pat was kind enough to send along because he's been kept busy at the AAA level. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and that does it for another week of Around the Nest. Our Jay Talking Around the Blue Jays organization, the podcast with the Toronto Blue Jays, which is representing each affiliate. And just remember that come June, we'll add Rob Fay, voice of the Vancouver Canadians. We become around the chest when we add the Canadians. And we'll check in with Bluefield as well and all those short season affiliates. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Around Nest. And you can also find us via podcast. We are on iTunes. Big thanks to Bluebird Banter as well and to the minor leaguer for partnering up, for helping let everybody know everything that's going on, all the questions that you ask, anything that we can help answer, and all of those observations that we can share with you. It is our pleasure. My thanks to Pat Malacaro in Buffalo, Tyler Zickel in AA New Hampshire, Jim Tarabokia in A Advanced Dunedin, and Dante DiCario with Single A Lansing. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler with the Lansing Lug. Till next week, I wish you well. And enjoy the baseball.